Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. The Bears closed out the preseason on Thursday against the Browns. But the real event was this weekend when the final cuts were made and the 2016 53-man roster was announced. Who made the final cut, and were there any surprises? All of this and so much more in the preseason finale episode of the Chicago Bears Review. Fourth and final preseason game is done and over with. The 53-man team has been announced, and now it's time to move on, right? Eh, not quite. I mean, the next thing that happens for all these NFL teams is that we kick off next Sunday on September 11th. The Bears take on the Texans on the road. Uh, But there's going to be a lot of roster moves between now and then. And the Bears might be a team that is part of the activity. What's going on, everybody? Larry D. back for the preseason finale. The week four review, sort of. We're going to kind of talk about the game. And uh, more so the the 53-man roster and the picks that stick show of the Chicago Bears review. I know that's a really long title, but we'll figure it out. Right now it it is Saturday night. And I am in my hotel room in Hoffman Estates, Illinois, uh, in preparation for my sister's wedding tomorrow night. Um, I decided not to bring my laptop with me because I didn't know what kind of time we were going to have or anything like that. But just in case, I brought my little mini recorder that most of you guys would probably recognize the sound of it. This is what the knee-jerk reactions sound like because this is the device that I use to record those. So, um, But I figured if I had a few minutes or a half hour or I had some uh, time to myself that uh, I would go ahead and, and try to squeeze this out as best I can. The 53-man uh, roster has been announced, and all the cuts have gone down, and we got ourselves a football team, or at least the very first 53-man roster has been produced by our beloved, and we'll talk about who made it and who didn't here in just a few minutes, but uh, before we get to that, we do have some good news. Two little bits of good news. Number one, the Bears did not finish the preseason winless. We finally won a game on Thursday night against the Browns, 21-7. to um, The offense looked 
competent uh, for the most part. Jordan Howard was a beast, especially uh, later on in the football game. Uh, the defense held the Browns to about 180 yards total offense in the ball game. And I was looking uh, online the other day, going through my f- Facebook feed, and I followed the Bears on Facebook, and they showed us the stat page for halftime, and the Browns were at 130 yards of offense at halftime. So that means that the defense in the second half only allowed about 50 yards of total offense in the second half. So that was actually a pretty stellar performance by those backups, those guys desperate to make the team. They definitely put forth an effort that, uh, you know, at least gave John Fox and Ryan Pace pause before they made final decisions. Um, Brian Hoyer was the starting quarterback. I mean, um, the usual suspects did not play. There was no Kyle Long. He's still not practicing yet. But most of the starters sat. Uh, Jay Culler didn't play. No Jeremy Langford. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey didn't play. Danny Trevathan, so on and so forth. None of those guys uh, saw the field. Um, you know, it was a shaky start for Brian Hoyer, but ended up finishing out pretty well. Uh, Jordan Howard, like I said, was awesome. Uh, had basically had a drive where he was just, you know, burrowing guys over. Got a nice little touchdown run uh, in there. Um, you know, overall, not a whole lot to talk about uh, in the game. The one thing that did make me a little bit nervous and kind of had me curious was the fact that not only was Kevin White playing, but he played... I'm not sure. I don't remember if I saw him in the third quarter, but I know he played the entire first half at least. And I thought it kind of curious for a guy that uh, is definitely our number two. And if nothing else, the future of the wide receiver position, because we don't know what's going to go on without Alshon Jeffrey after this season and so on and so forth. Jeffrey playing in this absolute, excuse me, White playing in this absolutely pointless, meaningless fourth preseason game and playing deep into it and on top of it doing things that we hadn't seen him doing yet, you know, running deep crossing routes and and things like that. We're seeing things different. I just thought it was kind of weird that he was out there like he was a guy that was playing for a roster spot. I just it was it was kind of weird. But on the other hand, he did take advantage of the opportunity and he I thought he played pretty well. You know, had a 26-yard catch at one point and had, came up with about five, six catches uh, in the game. I'm not looking at the stats right now, but, you know, he did pretty well. He was one of the notable guys and one of the guys that made made a difference in the football game. And as I've mentioned a couple times already, Jordan Howard uh, did really well uh, as well. Um, the other bit of good news, one that made me really excited uh, when I saw it because it's finally done and there's no more worrying about it. Kyle Long got a brand new extension today, four years, $40 million, 30 of it guaranteed. That is a record-setting contract for Kyle Long. Third highest paid contract, but number one in guaranteed money, and that's the number that you're really looking for. So Kyle Long, the highest paid guard in the NFL technically uh, at this point, and uh, signed through 2021. He's all ours for the next six seasons because he's already signed with his 
his fifth-year option. He's already signed through 2017. Tack four years onto that. We won't have to worry about 2022 until, you know, where Kyle Long is going to be playing his football. He is a blue and orange man through the end of the decade and then a little bit more after that. So that was fantastic news uh, when that came across the wire that uh, Kyle Long had, had agreed to an extension and was going to be a bear through 2021. So it is. it won't be until March of 2022 that Kyle Long will, uh, you know, we'll have to worry about whether or not Kyle Long will be returning uh, to our beloved Chicago Bears. That is a done deal. And uh, he will be a very well compensated football player for the next several years. So very good news there. Now, on to this roster. <sighs> Let's go through it, first of all, because the last time that we talked was before the first cuts were made. And there were no real surprises at all in the first uh, 15 uh, names that came off the board. And the, the one thing that I had forgotten was that Hironis Grasso and Connor Shaw, Connor Shaw, of course, went down with that gruesome broken leg, and Hironis Grasso went down before the preseason even started with the, uh, the, the knee injury. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. At Family Fest, or Family Night, or whatever the hell they call it, and um, those were guys that were still counting against the roster count. So Hironis Grasso, Connor Shaw were officially put on injured reserve. Uh, Roy Robertson Harris was put on the non-football illness list. And I'm thinking that's kind of like what the Bears did with uh, Sam Acho. Remember how everybody was freaking out last year when the Bears ended up cutting Acho because he had that uh, that illness or whatever, that, that sickness where he just basically, after he started off the preseason so hot, he was sick like the rest of the preseason. The Bears ended up cutting him. People went nuts. He didn't play for us week one. Then the Bears brought him back, and he was on the team for the rest of the year after that. I'm wondering if that's something that might happen with Robertson Harris. I don't know if this is a, a list that has him off the – if he's done for the year or if he's just – like he still belongs to the Bears, but he's on this non-football illness list, so he won't count – so the Bears can still hang on to him. But he doesn't count against the roster limit. So, uh, but Roy Robertson Harris, he won the one that had that that really great second half against the Chiefs, and then I don't know, fell ill or something. But uh, he's he was the that was one of the quote unquote cuts to get to seventy five was was Roy Robertson Harris, the outside linebacker from UTEP, uh, being put on this non football illness 
list. Uh, the other cuts were mostly, you know, undrafted free agents. Uh, the biggest name that was cut, well, there were two, three, actually. Uh, one was Sonoris Perry, the running back. You know, was usually used for uh, special teams. He's gone. Um, Darren Young, the fullback from the Redskins that we'd signed, the Bears terminated his contract. And there was a big deal made about Jared Grice, the linebacker from Notre Dame, when the Bears signed him uh, as a rookie free agent as well. But he was let go in the first cuts. Um, the other names, uh, defensive lineman Keith Browner, wide receiver uh, Kieran Duncan, uh, John Kling, who was uh, affectionately named Kling Kong, a huge offensive tackle. I think it was like 6'8", 6, 6'9", six, uh, from the University of Buffalo. Uh, he was gone in the first round of cuts. Uh, wide receiver Darren, Darren, uh, Darren Peterson, uh, defensive back Joel Ross, uh, tight end Gannon Sinclair, uh, offensive lineman Martin Wallace, um, linebacker uh, Lamine Barrow, and uh, wide receiver Derek Keaton. That's what got the Bears from 90 down to 75 after the Kansas City game. Now to the big cuts. We go through our fourth and final preseason game uh, with the Browns. Then we come to the roster moves that got the Bears down to 53. And I'm just going to go through uh, the names. I think this list, I got it right off the Bears website. I think it's I think it's even in alphabetical order now that I'm looking at it. Um, but from the top, uh, defensive back Dante Bosby, uh, tight end Ben Bronecker, uh, wide receiver Daniel Braverman. That's, <laughs> I think that was one of the quote-unquote notable cuts for the Bears when the, when the roster came out because Braverman was kind of a star before training camp because of his story and you know the sacrifices that his dad went through to make sure that Braverman that Daniel could go to college at Western Michigan and the performer that he was at Western Michigan, but because he was an undersized guy playing in a lower level conference, was a seventh round draft pick uh, for the Bears. I mean, obviously, there's still hope that uh, the Bears can get him on the practice squad, but he has to clear waivers first. So basically, every team in the NFL gets a shot at him first. And it's, you know, whether or not somebody, uh, you know, claims him before the Bears can, uh, you know, add him to the practice squad. At this point, no practice squad players have been announced yet, and I don't think they will until about Sunday or Monday or anything like that. But it's Saturday night now, so can't really worry about it. But Braverman was one of those ones that jumped off the jumped off the page at me for sure. Uh, uh, to continue, uh, defensive back Tavez Calhoun, wide receiver B.J. Daniels, quarterback David Fails. He's um, practice squad eligible, but I don't know if the Bears are going to hang on to him or not. Um, offensive lineman uh, Khalid Holmes, uh, defensive back Kevin Peterson, long snacker, uh, long snapper, excuse me, Patrick Scales. Uh, here's another one that jumped out: John Timu. Now, this is a guy who played a lot last year, undrafted, rookie free agent, was kind of a star in the preseason uh, last year, was solid when he was called into duty uh, last year, but uh, for whatever reason, didn't really answer the call in preseason this year. I mean, you if you remember, when I had Jeff Dickerson on the show on the Bears preview, we talked about John Timu, John Timu, Jonathan Anderson, these undrafted rookie free agents that that came in and did something that were real contributors that that basically outplayed um, that outplayed uh, Christian Jones and um, Shane McClellan. Shane McClellan, that's it. Um, that outplayed Christian Jones and Shane McClellan inside last year when they had the chance, they performed in a more solid, more consistent basis. 
And now John Timu, for whatever reason, like I said, didn't exactly, you know, wasn't exactly blowing up Ryan, uh, Ryan Pace's skirt, and he is out on the street. Now, again, he's only a second-year player. He is practice squad eligible, but he didn't make the team like he did last year. He made the 53-man roster last season, and now at, at the moment – He's unemployed, looking for a job. Now, hopefully, he'll debate, you know, he'll clear waivers, and the Bears can bring him back. But right now, that's not an option. Um, and then finishing it off, we got Jason Weaver, an offensive lineman, and defensive lineman uh, Terry Williams. Um, other names that were let go: uh, defensive lineman Ego Ferguson, one of our was he a second? He was a second round pick. Phil Emery's last draft in 2014 from LSU. Um, I don't think he really responded well to the switch from being an interior 4-3 defensive tackle to being, you know, an, a defensive end in a 3-4. In a uh, defensive, uh, excuse me, linebacker Danny Mason, he and Ego Ferguson were on the waived injured list. So injuries, they have been let go as well. Um, veteran contracts, the tight end Rob Hausler, that was a surprise. Uh, another one, Mark Mariani, also let go. Uh, tight end Tony Moyaki also let go. Um, Jacquez Rogers also let go. I mean, it's like, whoa. You know, do we have anyone on the offensive side of the ball? I mean, it's that's it's just that's crazy to me. Um, offensive lineman Shelly Smith and Gary Williams; those are all veterans that had their term uh, their contracts terminated. These are guys that um, I think you have to have more than four years in the league. You know, like if like everybody who's I think like four years and under, you you get you go on the waiver wire. But veterans who have been in the league longer, they're basically automatically free agents. So these guys, uh, Hausler, Mariani, Moyaki, Jacquez, Rogers, Shelly Smith, and Gary Williams are all free agents right now. Um, and then other, and then the final two rosters roster moves where Pernell McPhee and Marquise Wilson were put on the physically unable to perform list. So they will at least miss the first six games of the season. Now, this was something that's been talked about quite a bit over the last week, two weeks tops about the fate of Pernell McPhee. Um, He hasn't been practicing and lately it's been real light work, like side work. Maybe he does some position drills, that kind of thing. But he hasn't taken a snap in practice yet. And you really have to wonder, because last year it was just, oh, he's got this nagging knee thing. And he played with it pretty much all season long. Now, we know he had some work done on his knee throughout the season. And and Willie Young kind of made an off-the-cuff comment the other day that had people's heads scratching, where he talked about, like, you know, being a big supporter of Purnell and being with him and, and all that kind of stuff. And for, you know, basically talking about his perseverance, like the injury was a lot more serious than people knew about. Because he said, and I quote, to go from, to you know, for an injury that would have ended your career at one point to being, you know, to being ready to play and blah, blah, blah. And people were like, wait a minute, an injury that would have ended his career. You know, did did Pernell McPhee have microfracture surgery and they didn't tell us? What exactly went wrong with that knee? What was going on with it? What was the procedure that he had done? That's that's what I'm really curious about. Either way, the guy that was one of the, the biggest leaders on the defensive team last year won't be playing until week number seven, at least. 
at least. That's the soonest he can come back. So the first six games, Houston, uh, Philly, Dallas, Detroit, um, Jacksonville, and, and Indianapolis and Jacksonville. No Pernell McPhee. The first game he's eligible to come back for is week seven, the Thursday night game at Green Bay. Now, that's a hell of a time for him to come back. So if he's ready to go at that point, that'd be a great time to see Pernell McPhee. But I wonder if with the short week and everything, would he uh, would he play in that game or would he wait until week eight versus the Vikings uh, before we actually finally see Pernell McPhee take the field? And then Marquise Wilson, that's just the guy. He can't buy a break, but he got a break in the fact that uh, he's not unemployed right now. He's still on the team, and uh, you know, but he's on the physically unable to perform list. He broke his foot, and uh, I think it was either right before training camp or right after OTA, something like that. Uh, broke his foot, and uh, that's what uh, his injury has been. And uh, you know, haven't seen him. On the, on the field in preseason or anything like that. So I bet a lot of people didn't even know he was still on the team. But he is. So And now he's on the physically unable to perform list. So those are the guys that are gone. Who does that leave us with? Well, let's take a look. We only kept two quarterbacks. Brian Hoyer, Jay Cutler, no surprises there. Only three running backs. So Jaquiz Rogers, Sonoris Perry, those are guys who, you know, made the team last year. But they were mainly special teams guys, especially uh, Sonoris Perry. Jaquiz Rogers was the backup for um, Jeremy, or excuse me, Matt Forte last year. He saw more carries in the early part of the season than Jeremy Langford did when uh, before Jaquiz got hurt in the Raiders game. But with, with Rodgers gone, we only have three running backs on the roster. Kadeem Carey, Jordan Howard, Jeremy Langford. That's our, those are our running, that's our running back tandem right now. So we don't have like four or five running backs and a couple of them are mainly special teamers and blah, blah, blah. All three of these guys are going to be running the football on a regular basis. So if, if, the, if John Fox stays true to his M.O. and he likes the multi-headed quarterback or running back, that's what we're going to get. Those are the three guys. Uh, we do have a fullback on the roster for the first time in I don't know how long. Uh, Paul Lasiki, who was a tank against the Browns. <laughs> it, was, it was like he was a 600-pound bowling ball out there. At one point, the, he caught a swing pass from, from Brian Hoyer and turned around and basically knocked some kid unconscious with his thigh, uh, just clobbered the guy and, and got close to the, uh, to the end zone. I think they should have given him the ball so he could have scored, but ended up giving the ball to somebody else. Um, but he's the one fullback, Paul Lasiki. Uh, going to make the team, or made the team, I should say. Wide receivers, we have one, two, three, four, five, six wide receivers. Josh Bellamy, in alphabetical order. Josh Bellamy, Alshon Jeffrey, Cameron Meredith, another year making the team. Uh, Eddie Royal, and Deontay Thompson, and of course, Kevin White. So, we'll see how that all works out. Tight ends. Zach Miller hasn't played a snap in the preseason. He was, however, cleared of the cleared the concussion protocol and has been practicing. Did not play on Thursday night against the Browns, so he hasn't played a snap all all preseason uh, for the Bears. But uh, 
Obviously, he's going to be our starter. The other two, very curious. Kari Lee, not a big surprise there. You know, the Bears traded a pick that um, it was a 2017 pick, so they still haven't paid for Kari Lee yet, technically. But um, Kari Lee, and then the big surprise, not Rob Hausler, not Ben Bronecker, but Greg Scruggs will be our number three tight end, the converted defensive lineman. He made the team. So take that what you will. Offensive linemen, I mean, this has been a big point of contention for the Bears uh, with the injuries and the reshuffling and this, that, and the other. We ended up keeping, I believe, eight was the number. Uh, Let's see. Mike Adams, Cornelius Edison, Ted Larson, Charles Leno, Kyle Long, Bobby Massey, Amini Silatolu, and Cody Whitehair. That's eight. So with the starting five, most likely at this point, Ted Larson at uh, center. You got Long and Whitehair at guard. Massey at right tackle. Lino at the left, which leaves Mike Adams, Cornelius Edison, and Amelie Silatolu as our as our backups, our swing tackles, and our interior guys. That's the offensive line as it stands right now. And I say as it stands right now because I'm going to talk about something here in a minute that uh, might change this up. On the defensive side, no, hold on a second. That's we got eight offensive linemen, three tight ends, so that's uh, 17. Six wide receivers, 23. The fullback makes 24. Uh, three running backs makes 27, and the two quarterbacks makes 29. So, okay, that makes sense. On the defensive side of the ball, our defensive linemen. Uh, Jonathan Bullard, our draft picks, Eddie Goldman, last year's draft pick, uh, Akeem Hicks, Will Sutton survives another training camp, Mitch Unrein, and Cornelius Washington does it again. Despite being in and out of the lineup with injuries, has played well enough to make the roster once again. Uh, On the linebacker side, Sam Acho. Jonathan Anderson, remember we talked about him a moment ago because he and Timu were the guys undrafted free agents that made an impact last year when called into duty. Jonathan Anderson makes it. John Timu doesn't. Go figure. Um, of course, Leonard Floyd, Jarrell Freeman, Lamar Houston, Christian Jones. This year as an outside linebacker, though, he makes the team once again. Uh, Nick Kwiatkowski, Danny Trevathan, and Willie Young. No surprises there uh, for the most part. Kwiatkowski, a fourth-round pick. Uh, didn't play much. Uh, was in and out of the lineup. Was had was like nursing an injury. I'm not sure what it was. But um, did play Thursday night against the Browns and damn near killed somebody when he came in on a blitz. He pulverized this running back to the ground. It was awesome. Uh, kind of hopefully something that we can look forward to. Uh, into the future. Uh, DBs, we kept a slew of them, and I'm guessing that these are going to be the guys that play special teams for us. Uh, Of course, Adrian Amos, Deion Bush, uh, was it fourth round pick Deion Bush, Bryce Callahan, who's going to be our, probably be our nickel guy this year, Kyle Fuller, there was some talk of him possibly being on the pup list, uh, but apparently the Bears feel that he's going to be healthy enough to play right away or at least early on in the season or early enough that losing him for six games wasn't worth it. So Kyle Fuller is going to be on the man, on the roster. Not sure what his status is for next Sunday against the Texans. We'll have to wait and see on that. 
Uh, Jacoby Glenn makes the team. DeAndre Hall. DeAndre um, Houston Carson. Uh, DeAndre Hall from Northern Iowa, the fourth-round pick. Uh, Houston Carson, the sixth-round pick out of William & Mary, also makes the team. Uh, DeMontre Hurst, he's coming back. You know he's a special teams guy. Harold Jones-Corte, who's most likely going to be the other starting safety, along with Adrian Amos at this point. Sherrick McManus, he's our special teams guy. Tracy Porter. Kind of up in the air, left the Chiefs game with a concussion, so we'll see if he can get cleared for the Texans game. And then, of course, Chris Przinski, uh the other safety, also makes the team as well. And then capping off the um, roster with our specialist, Aaron Brewer wins the long snapper competition uh, that he had with um, – uh, Patrick Scales, so he's the one that stays. Robbie Gold, of course, our kicker, and then our punter, Pat O'Donnell. So those those are the 53 men as it stands right now. And I say it in that way because there were some surprising cuts on Saturday. Now, two names especially that I am most interested in, and then a third that I'm going to throw out there because I've, I read something earlier today. Two big names that you might want to keep an eye on at this point. One is offensive guard Josh Sitton, who was cut by the Green Bay Packers today. Now, this guy is a three-time pro bowler and regarded as one of the top guards in the game. For whatever reason, I don't know if it's because he's got a, this was a contract year for him uh, or, you know, maybe they tried to negotiate with him an extension. It didn't work out. They like somebody better and cheaper, so they let him go. Try your luck someplace else. We'll see how that goes. Josh Sitton, but he's out there now. And Jari Evans, who, who, was, who made his name as an offensive lineman for the Saints, somebody who was there when you-know-who was there, Mr. Ryan Pace, our general manager, who went to sign a free agent deal with the Seahawks. Apparently it didn't work out. The Seahawks let him go today. And with all of our troubles on the offensive line, it wouldn't be a bad idea to get one or both of these guys on the phone to see if we can get them in there to either start for us or be a solid, solid backup because of all the depth problems that we have on the offensive line uh, at this point. So just throwing that out there uh, for those guys. Other interesting names that were let go, uh, D. Milner, who was a top 10 draft choice in 2013 for the New York Jets at cornerback. Tracy Porter, his Tracy Porter and Kyle Fuller, those are our starting corners, or at least they were at the beginning of training camp. Both of those guys are subject right now. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen. Will Tracy Porter clear concussion protocol to play in time? Will Kyle Fuller be 100% to play against the Texans? D. Milner's out there. He was a top 10 draft pick at one point. Things didn't work out for him uh, with the Jets. Maybe he's a change of scenery, a different, uh, you know, different personnel, uh, uh, Vic Fangio calling his place. You never know. Could be something that's interesting, and God knows we need to help the corner. Um, another interesting name for corner, Pierre Desir, uh, for the Browns. They let him go. Uh, he's a young, fast, big corner, uh, 6'1", and uh, saw a lot of clips for him today on how he did compared to um, – 
how the other one, um, oh, Joe Hayden, the cornerback for the Browns, there were people putting uh, clips like side by side of these two guys and how they played a certain receiver. And, you know, obviously they're they're there to make a point for Desir. So they throw it out there that Desir, of course, did it better than the All-Pro that Joe Hayden was doing every single time. And then uh, finally, at corner position, he didn't get cut. But the rumor is that he's available via trade. And I know how stingy Ryan Pace is with his draft picks, and we're already down one because we gave up a, I think, a sixth or a seventh rounder for Kari Lee that comes off the board in 2017. So we're already down one draft pick. But it might be something we're talking about because John Elway is making Aqib Tlaib from the Broncos available via trade. Now, this is a guy, granted... Character-wise, is probably not somebody that the Bears would be interested in. This is a guy that just a few months ago, if it even was that long, got shot. <laughs> he got shot in the leg outside a nightclub or something like that. But, um, you know, he was basically run out of Tampa Bay. That's where he was drafted originally. And uh, signed a free agent contract with the he – actually, he played a, a year for – a year or two in New England – and then as a free agent was signed by the Denver uh, Broncos. So a guy that's bounced around a little bit for character and for off the field reasons, it's like on the field reasons, there's, you know, why would you get rid of him? But he's one of those guys kind of like Brandon Marshall who succeeds everywhere he goes because he's an immensely talented guy, but off the field issues make him a liability and make him expendable. Now, Denver's looking to move on from Aqib Tlaib right now, or at least that's the rumor anyway. Maybe that's something that the Bears want to explore to get a top-level, you know, Pro Bowl-level player at corner. With, I mean, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you at least look into it? Why wouldn't you be on the phone with Pierre Desir right now? Why wouldn't you be looking at D. Milner just to bring in some fresh blood? I mean, if anything, even if we're bringing these guys in to be backups, that's better than what we have right now. That's better than, God bless him, that's better than Bryce Callahan. That's better than Demontre Hurst. That's better than Sherry McManus, who's more of a special teams player. You know? That's quality depth. That's what we want. We don't want just a warm body to come off the bench. And the Bears have $20 million in cap space. We have the money to take one of these guys on. And we got the money to take a couple of these guys on with the way some of these financial guys finagle the, the cap. You know, we could probably sign a couple of these guys and not even put a dent in our salary cap. And it just some guys are work the math that way. But, you know, that's definitely something. I at least want to hear that the Bears made some inquiries about some of these guys, whether it's Jari Evans or Josh Sitton or, uh, you know, Aqib Tlaib or D. Milner. Uh, I even hear Colin Jenkins is out there as well in defensive line. Something we should look into for sure. So, but there you have it. That's our 53-man roster as it stands at uh, just a little after 11 o'clock on Saturday night. Most of you probably won't hear this show on Monday because I'm not going to be able to get home to my laptop until Monday. But as it stands, 11 o'clock on Saturday evening, that's the 53-man roster. 
And uh, if it changes, you're going to be hearing me come back on here in a couple of seconds to, to tell you what the Bears did or anything like that to bring in one of those guys or what the corresponding roster move is uh, or anything like that. So I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, give myself a second to, to cut in and, and tell you about uh, any move that the Bears have made. If not, the next thing we're going to be talking about is the picks that stick and how I see the 2016 season going down. So let's fast forward. This is me on Monday night sitting at my computer editing this show together, and there are a few things that we do have to report, the moves that were made, some surprising, some shocking, um, and also not surprising at the same time. So let's just go ahead and uh, talk about these surprising moves after the 53-man roster was set uh, Sunday it began pretty much right away with uh, with the Bears making some moves they they uh, uh, picked up a couple of guys off waivers Uh, Eric Cush a center from the Rams anybody who's been watching uh, hard knocks on HBO you will know Eric Cush as the tank top guy he was a backup center for the Rams, ended up not making the team. The Bears went ahead and picked him up and waved. Um, I forget who they waved. We'll, we'll talk about the waiver moves in a minute. Uh, the other um, claim that the Bears made was was Crevon LeBlanc, uh, a cornerback from the New England Patriots, an undrafted rookie free agent. Um, Cush has been around for a few uh, – I think he's a three- or four-year guy, uh, Cush, but uh, – uh, LeBlanc is a unrestricted uh, or undrafted rookie free agent, was let go uh, by the Patriots. He's a, a short guy, about 5'9 or so, so he's being looked upon as more of a nickel guy. But because they were way, or excuse me, they were claimed by the Bears, they automatically go onto the 53-man roster. So these aren't practice squad guys. Um, speaking of practice squad guys, um, remember that we said we cut John Timo and Daniel Braverman? Well, they cleared waivers, so the Bears were able to pick them up and put them on the practice squad. So Timu and Braverman are still Bears, as are uh, Ben Bronecker, uh, Jason Weaver, the offensive tackle. Uh, Sonoris Perry, was, as we know, was cut. He, he cleared waivers. The Bears put him back on the practice squad. Devontae Bosby uh, was put on the pr- practice squad as well. And Matt Barkley, uh, quarterback uh, famously from USC, drafted by the Eagles, was with the Arizona Cardinals uh, this preseason. Uh, he was let go by the Cardinals. The Bears pick him up and put, them, put him on the practice squad. Now, let's get to some cuts now. Um, a big cut. A very big one took place on Sunday. I was at my sister's wedding, uh, at the reception, I should say. Uh, At the reception, I'm sitting at the reception at the dinner table talking to my dad. I get a little buzz on my phone. I reach into my pocket. I pick it up, and it says, sources say the Bears cut veteran kicker Robbie Gold. Now, of course, no one saw this coming. The Bears had no competition whatsoever for for, uh, Robbie Gold in training camp whatsoever. Um, and you know, so it comes as a shock in that way that there was basically nothing, nothing indicating that this was even going to be a possibility. And then it was done. It was just done Sunday night. Boom. That was it. There's uh, comes over the wire. Robbie Gold's been let go 11 seasons with the bears. The franchise's all-time leading scorer, uh, so on and so forth. Ninth, I think ninth most accurate kicker in the history of the NFL 
no longer a Chicago Bear. I mean, that's he is the last standing member from the Super Bowl 41 team. Now he's no longer on the team at all. Uh, Robbie Gold, I'm sure, it will not be unemployed for very long, but uh, he uh, was let go uh, by the Bears on Sunday. But remember, we did just talk, you know, we did talk about people the Bears might be interested in now that the 53-man rosters are set and cuts have been made. One of those names on that list was Josh Sitton, the guard from the Green Bay Packers. The Bears got him first. The Bears, as far as getting a visit, he came to Chicago. The Bears did not let him leave without signing the deal. So about a half hour, if that, after the announcement that Robbie Gold had been cut, the announcement that the Bears had signed Josh Sitton to a three-year, $21 million deal came over the wire. So we lost Robbie Gold, but we got Josh Sitton. He'll be starting at left guard. We got Kyle Long at uh, right guard. And Cody Whitehair and Ted Larson are going to compete at center. And right now, I believe I was reading John Fox uh, during his press conference today said that he thinks uh, center is Cody Whitehair's best spot. So maybe that's going to be our starting five uh, on Sunday against the Texans would be um, – from right to left, Robbie, uh, Bobby Massey at tackle, uh, Kyle Long at guard, Whitehair at center, uh, Josh Sitton at left guard, and then Charles Leno uh, at the left tackle spot. And hopefully if that's the five or if it's Ted Larson or whatever, hopefully it's a unit that can stick together and stay healthy and uh, get some cohesiveness going because having Josh Sitton and Kyle Long, two Pro Bowl guards in the on the interior offensive line, that that certainly makes things a lot prettier looking for our running back core, especially since there's a lot of youth back there. You have a two year, you have a, a guy going into his third year, a guy going into his second year, and a rookie. Those are the three running backs that we kept. So, um, you know, uh, the Bears also um, they signed Connor Barth, a kicker from the Saints, to replace Robbie Gold. That's going to be our guy uh, going forward. Um, Aside from uh, Robbie Gold being cut uh, to to go along with these moves, because we we picked up six people, uh, including uh, tight end Logan Paulson uh, from the Washington Redskins. Um, the, he his contract was terminated, so the Bears signed him uh, as a free agent along with Josh Sitton, uh, Connor Barth, and Patrick Scales. Remember, I told you Patrick Scales, the long snapper, got got cut, so Aaron Brewer was going to be the long snapper. Well, Aaron Brewer got cut today on the 5th on Labor Day, and Patrick Scales was re-signed. Don't know what the hell happened there, but uh, Patrick Scales was cut and then re-signed today. So I guess going forward, he's going to be the long snapper. So we got six moves, six roster moves to make here. So Connor Barth replaced Robbie Gold. Kari Lee, the tight end, was let go. Um, Cornelius Edison, the center, he was uh, cut as well, but he's been re-signed to the practice squad, as was Demontre Hurst, who made the final roster but was let go. Uh, Amini Silatolu uh, was let go to make room for Josh Sitton, and Aaron Brewer, the long snapper, was let go to make room for Patrick Scales. So those are your six corresponding, or your 12 moves, the six cuts, the six signings, and there we go. So there's... uh, we got we got a hell of an interior offensive line now, especially uh, you know Ted Larson being a veteran and everything, and you got Pro Bowl talent in in between Bobby Massey, a solid right tackle, and then Charles Leno, kind of the wild card, spending you know based on the year that he had last year. But things are looking up for that offensive line, and uh, you know maybe the offense really can do something. I'm hoping to God we've been playing pasta this whole time. Uh, so anyway, those are the corresponding moves. Uh, our practice squad is set. 
and uh, we got ourselves a new offensive guard and a brand new kicker in a very surprising move. And, and one thing about that move, and I've been kind of sharing my thoughts with this with everybody on Facebook and, and everything about this with, with the Robbie Gold move. Yes, it was absolutely shocking. I was shocked when I heard it come through. But when you sit back and you think about it, is anybody really that surprised? I mean, I know we're all surprised in the way that there was nobody in camp kicking against him, that you know, there weren't any rumors that this might even be possible and then it was just done. So it's all sh- it's very shocking on that front that the Bears got re- literally out of left field got rid of our longest tenured player and the last guy on our last really really good team. But um, you know, when when you look at the inconsistent year, um you know, he had an opportunity to help us win at least two ball games yes last year, and he blew them both. I mean, how how many times have I mentioned that 49er game? And just about every interview that I had with a beat writer, you know, previewing the season, that 49er loss came up over and over again. And, um, you know, then couple that with the preseason that he's had. I mean, he missed a field goal. He missed a couple of field goals. He hooked an extra point against the Browns. I mean, he almost nearly missed another one um, in that preseason uh, finale uh, as well. So, I mean, you couple the the subpar and inconsistent 2015 with the lousy preseason that he had and the fact that he's one of the highest paid kickers in the league you know the hammer's going to fall on top of on top of in fact even more that our general manager has has shown to have an itchy trigger finger itchy trigger finger if you aren't one of his guys and Robbie Gold was here long before uh Ryan Pace was and so Ryan Pace didn't have a hand in bringing him in signing him to that long-term contract or anything else so you know if you're really honest about it This move isn't surprising at all. Granted, the circumstances make it a big surprise. But as far as the reason why, not all that surprising. So I'm hoping that Connor Barth uh, can be a bit more reliable than Robbie Gold has has appeared to be last year in 2015 and so far in the preseason. And uh, hopefully the the kicking game will not become a liability uh, all of a sudden because it wasn't exactly something we could rely upon last year even somebody with Robbie Gold's track record, you know, you're sitting there with your heart thumping and everything when he's out there making a kick, especially after that that San Francisco game that I can't stop talking about. So anyway, those are the moves. So now we're going to move on, and I'm going to give you the picks that stick, and we're going to wrap up the show. And here we go with our picks that stick, and uh, I have a confession to make. Um actually was kind of a little bit lazy about it uh, this year, just because, honestly, I think this year is going to be tough to call uh, because there was I, – I just think that, that so many of the teams that were bad last year, which, unfortunately, all of them are pretty much on our schedule because we have the third easiest schedule in the NFL this year, uh, behind only, I think, Green Bay and, like, one other team um, – because those teams that were so bad went out, and especially in the AFC South, we talked about it over and over again in the previews, how all of those teams basically went all out to improve themselves. And teams in the NFC East, uh, for the most part, were, were injury-riddled teams that were looking to get people back. And, uh, you know, the Giants went out and pretty much purchased a brand-new defense, so who knows how that's going to work out and all that kind of stuff. Um 
I really didn't even go through. I didn't really go through the team schedules. What I did was, I I went through the through their opponents uh, in such a way. Like for instance, the Bears play the NFC East, the AFC South. Then we have our home division, and then we have our same place opponents. Okay, in the games where we play the AFC South, Houston, Indy, Jacksonville. Tennessee. I think the absolute worst the Bears can do in that schedule is two and two. Okay, I I'm, I'm not liking our chances against Houston, especially with the problems we're having in our secondary right now. And what I saw, what Houston did to Arizona on national TV um, last Sunday. You know, with Will Fuller and, and 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 DeAndre Hopkins and Brock Osweiler, looks like he's fitting right in. And, and you know, the defense bottled up uh, bottled up the Cardinals pretty well. Yeah, going into Week One offensively, Houston scares the hell out of me. And couple that with the fact that it looks like JJ Watt's going to play against the Bears. Uh, you know, they've they've activated him; he's on the roster, so that means he's going to practice at least. Whether or not he plays is still fifty-fifty at this point, but it's looking good. The Bears are going to have to deal with JJ Watt, and the defense looked pretty awesome without him against the Cardinals. Granted, in preseason, but nonetheless, it was impressive. So. I say we lose to Houston, and then somewhere in those other three games, we're going to get upset by somebody because I think the Bears can beat Indianapolis, the Bears can beat Jacksonville, the Bears can beat Tennessee. I get a funny feeling we're going to lose one of those games. I would, The likelihood being Indianapolis in Indy because I like the Bears over Jacksonville and Tennessee, but we'll have to wait and see. I, I got a funny feeling with Jacksonville for some reason, just because they happen to specialize in throwing the ball with, with Hearns and um, – uh, Alan Hearns and uh, the other receiver, I'm, who's, I'm blanking on his name right now, but I like their passing game with Blake Bortles and thing. I think that with our secondary troubles, that could be a problem for us. So let's just say two and two in the AFC South. Then we have the NFC East. No one in the NFC East really scares me, to be completely honest with you, but uh, we'll throw out three and one for the NFC East, just because. So that's what, five and three. Okay, six games in the NFC North. Right now, with what happened with Minnesota, losing Teddy Bridgewater for the season, and then on top of it, trading for Sam Bradford. I can't even tell you, I laughed out loud when I heard. They gave up a first-rounder and a first-rounder in 2017 and a conditional pick in 2018 that could be as high as a second-round pick. How desperate were the Vikings if that's what they gave Philadelphia to get Sam Bradford? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Even with that, I think the Bears can do 3-3 and in the division. Okay? Right now... The way that I've been feeling about the team, I know I gave you know kind of a sour note, especially right after that Kansas City game. That was pretty much like a knee-jerk reaction type show that I did for them. But um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say we get swept by Green Bay, and we sweep we sweep Detroit, and we split with uh, we split with uh, Minnesota. Home and home with Minnesota like we always do. Sweep Detroit, swept by Green Bay. That's three and three. So five and three now becomes eight and six. 
And then our same place opponents, we have Tampa Bay and San Francisco. We could easily go 2-0 there. Okay, so if we go 2-0 there, 8-6 becomes 10-6. So we give the Bears a 10-6 record. That's where I'm sitting right now. And this is like shoulda, coulda, woulda. You know, because if I really went back and looked at these, I know that the way that the schedule is supposed to work out is that you're supposed to have an even number of wins and losses when you add up the win-loss records of all the teams. If I did that, I know mathematically I'm way off from where I should be. So I'm not doing this based on what I believe their definitely win-loss records are. I do what you know what they will be. I do in what they quote-unquote could be, like in the particular range. Okay, So that's just an example of where we are. So when I went through the records, here's what I have for the AFC. In the AFC East, it's pretty much a no-brainer. The Patriots in first, Jets in second. I like Buffalo in third and Miami in last. That's the same as last year. In the north, Cincinnati in first, Pittsburgh in second, Baltimore in third, Cleveland in fourth. Same thing. In the AFC South, Houston in first, Jacksonville in second, Tennessee in third, Indy in fourth. I do not, do not like the Colts this year. Absolutely do not. That's kind of like my bold prediction is that I think that, um, you know, not only will the, the will they not make the playoffs, but they will be a below 500 team this year. Um, so they will definitely regret not hiring a new coach, a new GM, and, and kind of really starting over. I, I just don't like anything that, that Indianapolis did. I, you know, they didn't do anything to improve the offensive line, and they did draft a center in the first round, but he got hurt. So he's not going to really start the season. So, yeah. So Houston, Jacksonville, Tennessee, and Indy in fourth place bringing up the rear. That's like my big, bold prediction is that Indianapolis is going to finish last in the South this year. And then in the AFC West, I like Kansas City in first, the defending champs in second, because that's going to hurt on offense, whether it's Trevor Simeon or Paxton Lynch. Um, you know, they're going to suffer a bit on offense, and the defense isn't going to be able to do it for them every single week. They're still going to make the playoffs, I think, but not going to be as strong as they were before. So Kansas City in first, Denver in second, Oakland in third, Kansas City, or excuse me, San Diego dead last. So how does that shape up for the playoffs? Well, I have New England 1, Kansas City 2, those are your bye weeks, Cincinnati 3, Houston 4, Denver at 5, Pittsburgh at 6. So Pittsburgh back in the playoffs this year. So that means in the wild card round we have Cincinnati 3 versus Pittsburgh 6. I'm still going to go with the Steelers winning because um, – Cincinnati does, is allergic to victory in the playoffs. So New England or P- Pittsburgh moves on to face the one seed New England in divisional round. Uh, in the second round, we have, or excuse me, the other wild card game, we have number four Houston versus number five Denver. This game will be in Houston. Brock Osweiler's revenge. I'm taking the Texans, the four seed, to face Kansas City, number two in the divisional round. So we got New England hosting Pittsburgh, Kansas City hosting Houston. I'll take 
the two top seeds there. Kansas City will win in Arrowhead at their divisional game. New England will beat Pittsburgh at home in their divisional game. So the AFC Championship this year for me, and I'm probably way off on this, but it's New England at Kansas City, or versus Kansas City, so New England's at home, and New England will win and go back to the Super Bowl. Surprise, surprise. But that's the AFC. That is the AFC. If When it comes to the AFC representative in the Super Bowl, it's going to be New England, Denver, Pittsburgh, and then that's it, basically. You know, if you go back and you look at the AFC representatives in the Super Bowl for like the last 12 years, aside from Baltimore making an appearance, it's New England, it's Pittsburgh, or it's Denver. Those are pretty much, those are your teams in the AFC. It's a very top-heavy division. It's it's or a conference. It's not a hard conference to call. The NFC, on the other hand, they like to mix it up. So let's go here and look. In the NFC East, Dallas is... Dallas is so screwed, guys. But it's still a weak division, so I'm gonna go ahead and give them the division at nine and seven. That that's where I was at when I was looking at their, you know, their schedule and their win loss and their opponents and, and whatnot. Nine and seven in first place, Washington in second, the Giants in third, Philly in fourth. <laughs> Because Philly's pretty much already quit on the season. Not only did they trade away Sam Bradford, but they said Carson Wentz, who hasn't played since the first preseason game, is going to be their starter if he's healthy enough to play week one. So Chase Daniel, that guy that they gave $20 million to and, and like 10 of it guaranteed to be the backup to Sam Bradford, is going to be backup to the to the rookie that hasn't played at all in the preseason. So figure that one out. Um then in the NFC North, we got uh, Green Bay in first, taking the Bears in second, Minnesota in third, but that Teddy Bridgewater. You know, I could be actually also be completely off in Minnesota. Um, I just got a feeling about it now. Like losing Teddy Bridgewater might demoralize the team. I don't know. But Minnesota in third, Detroit in fourth. I think it's, you know, Jim Caldwell probably won't survive the season, in my opinion. In the South, no surprises there. Carolina in first. Um, Atlanta in second. New Orleans third. Tampa Bay fourth. And in the West, Arizona first. Seattle second. L.A. third. San Francisco fourth. So I don't think there's any really big shakeups here. All right, moving on to the wild card. Actually, with the wild card or the playoff standings, Arizona one. Green Bay 2, Carolina 3, Dallas 4, those are your division winners. Seattle number 5, Chicago 6, just barely getting in uh, to the playoffs. So the wild card round, it will be the 3 seed Carolina hosting the Bears, and then the 4 seed Dallas hosting Seattle. Carolina is going to beat the Bears. Seattle will destroy the Cowboys. So... You got the five seed Seattle going to Arizona and the three seed Carolina going to Green Bay, taking Green Bay over Carolina, Arizona over Seattle. So your NFC championship game will be a rematch of that exciting wild card game uh, last year where Green Bay almost won it um, with the Hail Mary and sent it to overtime. But they'll fall short again. Arizona goes to the Super Bowl this time, you know, without with no Carolina in their way this time. They beat the Packers at home to go to Super Bowl 51 in Houston. 
and Arizona will defeat the Patriots in the Super Bowl and win your championship. So there is my no way in hell that's going to happen, but that's what I'm going with as I sit here living and breathing with the picks that stick. So Arizona over New England in the Super Bowl. So every year the Cardinals have taken a step further with uh, Bruce Arians, who we should have hired four years ago uh, when we had the chance. But uh, no, because Phil Emery is a dumbass. But whatever. We're, we're, we're on the right track with, with Pace and Fox. Um, you know, I don't think it's going to happen as fast as we want it to, but, you know, we'll see if we can make it to the playoffs. And then, you know, hopefully the, 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 the preseason has all just been, you know, the Bears just playing possum. And when the regular season starts, we're going to turn it loose and really just show the NFL the Bears belong. And uh, I'm hoping that that's what happens. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. And like I said, you, you know, you always have like four or five new playoff teams a year. I think if you look at the teams that I put out there, there's, you know, maybe one or two new playoff teams. So that's probably not how it's all going to shake out. So there's always a surprise team that comes out of nowhere and makes the playoffs. I think my candidate for that would probably be like the Giants to do something like that because, you know, maybe that defense really gels together and a healthy Victor Cruz to, you know, supplement uh, Odell Beckham. And, and, you know, Eli had one of his best years last year. And, you know, they can just hang on to the football and stay healthy on defense. Maybe the Giants will be the one that steal that division and take advantage of a Romo-less Cowboy team. Not to mention half the team on Dallas is on suspension for some reason and throughout a portion of, of the season. So, <clears throat> I could be wrong about all this, you know. In fact, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be wrong about all this. And, and how it all shakes out will surprise every single one of us. And we'll have to wait and see. That's the fun part about actually watching the season uh, unfold. And like I said, there was so much bad football last year. So many injuries and, you know, people not playing up to their potential and so on and so forth. I think that makes this year difficult to call. So this is what I'm going with now based on the, on the knowledge that we have from last season. And, you know, the, the, the thing about how much mediocre football and how much bad football there was last year is that you, you, you get a lot of – you get a feeling that nothing's going to change. So you're pretty much calling it the way you saw it and all happened last year. And we all know that's how, not how it goes down. So – you know, I'm pretty sure that I'm going to be wrong about most of this, and uh, we'll see how it all shakes out. So that's my opinion. So anyway, I think that's going to go ahead and do it for us. We're going to go ahead and wrap this bad boy up. We will be back on Thursday with our friend Brett Coleman from SB Nation and the Houston Texans page uh, to get us ready for week one. Will J.J. Watt play? Are they as scary as I saw them against the Arizona Cardinals? That was the dress rehearsal game that I saw, too. The starters played into the second half, and the Texans are really pounding the Cardinals in that football game. You know, is, is that, you know, are they the team that, uh, you know, that, that we all thought they might be? Going out and getting Osweiler. You finally got yourself a quarterback now. You get Will Fuller to uh, the bookend with um, – 
with Hopkins. You get Lamar Miller, and he's going to be your running back now. No more Arian Foster. Now you're off and running. A healthy J.J. Watt, Davian Clowney has been a beast in the preseason, and you keep your defense together, and, you know, it could be awful scary down there in Houston. We'll have to wait and uh, see. Can they win back-to-back division titles and get back to the playoffs and get better this time around? So... All that stuff, we'll talk about Brett. Talk about that with Brett Coleman and preview the Bears and the Texans kicking off the 2016 season. When we come back, that will be what we officially call the season premiere. So the first episode of season number 10 of the Chicago Bears Review when we come back. So until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Chicago Bears Review. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 